And our first reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 8, and it's verses 26 to 40. So it's Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. If you've got a pew Bible, a church Bible, it's all the ones, page 1111. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way, rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus, and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns, until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our Gospel reading is from the Gospel of John. John chapter 6. And we're beginning today at verse 44 on page 1081. Alleluia, alleluia, I am the first and the last, says the Lord, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Alleluia. So hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus is speaking, and he says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, whoever believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which people may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. 
Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so as we devour your living word this morning, Lord, may it refresh and sustain us. Amen. These may be familiar words from uh, Romans chapter 10, words of Paul to the church in Rome. How then, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, the heralds of good news have been out in force uh, this week. On Monday, it was the royal baby. Dear old Archie. The town criers were out on the streets of Windsor. Journalists from all over the world descended. Brexit was relegated to the inside pages. Good news to be shared. There's nothing like a royal baby or a royal event to create a bit of a stir. Some people got excited. Others went to put the kettle on. On Tuesday, we had the miracle of Merseyside. Another good news story, as against all the odds, Liverpool came back from 3-0 down to beat the mighty Barcelona and advanced to the Champions League final. Some people got quite excited. Some of you didn't even know it happened. (laughs) And then yesterday, Tottenham did something similar in their semi-final as well. The good news of Jesus is, of course, of far greater significance than royal babies and sporting comebacks. And yet we spend more time talking about these things or about the vagaries of the British weather than we do about him. I was quite amused last week. Uh, Some of us volunteered to help at the local election count. Uh, The team going to Uganda this summer had uh, been invited to help so they could earn a bit of money so they could subsidise their places to Uganda and uh, others of us joined in uh, as well. And so we turned up about half past nine in the evening ready for a long night shift. And one of our team had just come from uh, playing football for a local church team. And uh, from the moment he arrived he was desperate to tell us about his 20-yard screamer into the top corner from this football match in great detail. And through, we went Well, we we sort of humoured him for a bit. And through the night, he kept coming back to this 20-yard screamer. Admittedly, at four in the morning, there wasn't too much to talk about the election count progressing rather slowly, but he kept coming back to this 20-yard screamer. He'd repeat the story, despite our mocking. There are some things we love to talk about, whether others are interested or not. When it comes to faith... Maybe we don't talk about it much because we're worried about others' responses. Somehow it's acceptable to talk about football and royal babies, but faith seems to be one of those taboos. Maybe we're just waiting for the right moment and we don't recognise that the right moment has come. Maybe our faith just doesn't mean as much to us as it should. Our reading from Acts this morning challenges us to be ready to speak out the good news 
and provides some really helpful, quite practical pointers as to how we might go about it. So although it might seem a bit distant with its tale of Ethiopian eunuchs and chariots on the Gaza roads, there are a few simple truths for us to hold on to. First of all, there's a reminder that we need to be open to God's prompting. Philip didn't set out that morning with a plan to talk to the first person he saw about Jesus. He simply listened to the voice of God. We're told, first of all, of an angel and then later on of the Holy Spirit. The angel's words to him probably didn't make too much sense. He didn't know exactly where he was going. He was just told to go to the road heading south. And he didn't know what he would do when he got there. But he was open to God's prompting. And having heard God's voice, he started out. I don't know if you picked up that little phrase from the reading. But it says, he started out. And for me, I think those words, those three words, are hugely significant. He started out. Putting one foot in front of the other is a sign of trust. As we sense where God might be leading us in any aspect of life. It's taking that first step. The first step of obedience can lead to all sorts of opportunities. Maybe we have an inner sense at a particular time that we should be somewhere or should contact someone. Maybe that's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Another thing we learn from Philip's Philip's example is that we're to start where people are at. God had prepared the way for Philip. In fact, God had instigated this whole encounter. Philip's role was to sense what God was wanting to do and to join in. And on meeting the eunuch, he connected to him where he was. He was a man clearly open to spiritual things and had developed an affinity with Jewish faith and tradition. And Philip started from there. He didn't go wading in with a pre-prepared script. He asked a question and an opportunity opened up for him. The eunuch was open and interested. And Philip made the most of that. There are plenty of people in our circles of influence who are open to spiritual things. So let's pray for those natural openings and opportunities. Another thing we notice about Philip is that he was completely without prejudice. He was sent to someone from a a different culture, different background, uh, probably different class and society. That didn't stop him from sharing what he knew, sharing the good news. And Philip had the massive privilege of leading the eunuch to Jesus. He was part of this light bulb moment where things began to fit together for the eunuch. He basically offered him the living bread spoke of in the gospel reading. And he was hungry to receive it because the time was right. I think we're in a season of incredible opportunity here at Christchurch with the reordering of the building, with the reputation of our youth and children's work around the community, uh, the witness of, of many in different ways through the groups, through our own networks. There's an openness to the work of the church and therefore to the gospel. And all of us have a part to play in inviting, in sharing, in serving in being open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit day by day. It was amazing to see the number of people coming through the hall or the church um, over the bank holiday weekend with the noise outreach. 
We're seeing a degree of growth in our 1030 congregation with new families joining us week by week. All of us have a part to play in offering the bread of life. Whether we're regular here or whether we're part of other church communities on a Sunday. Showing that the good news of Jesus is of far greater significance than a royal baby or a winning goal. The irony of the, of the lad at the election count banging on about his wonder goal is that I know he's also someone who speaks passionately to others about his faith. His enthusiasm for life is infectious. His enthusiasm for Jesus is infectious. And actually, he models to me what an outward-looking faith is about, often putting me to shame. But we don't have to go around comparing ourselves to one another. We simply have to be the people that God has called us to be, open to his promptings, willing to take that first step. We're not all Phillips. We're not meant to be. But we can all be open to God. We can all take those small steps of obedience, relating to people where they're at. And who knows how God might use those conversations to advance his kingdom here in Down End and beyond. Amen.